0: Sometime in late elementary school, I think it was sixth grade, but it's hard to remember back uh, with many details, uh, at Hanford Christian School, uh, I was asked by my teacher, Mrs. Malapard, which Bible character would you most like to be friends with? And I didn't know anything about introverts at the time, but uh, I said, Elijah. Elijah. And my teacher looked at me and said, wouldn't you rather be friends with someone more friendly and fun? What about David? And uh, I knew a couple things. One is I knew that Elijah really needed a friend. Uh, And the other was that David was just really loud and uh, energetic, and that seemed exhausting to me. So I went with Elijah, and I stuck with him. And uh, as I've grown older, I'm maybe a little less convinced that I'd want to spend a lot of time with Elijah, but uh, I am convinced he would need a friend. Uh, In 1 Kings 17, we read this. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years Except at my word. And as James mentions in our text today, it didn't rain for years. Uh, now, Elijah was a prophet, if you know the story, uh, or if you don't, uh, he was uh, a guy who just shows up. Uh, you've heard how he shows up. There's no more background given other than he was the Tishbite from Tishbe. Uh, where else would a Tishbite be from? Uh, and he shows up in a rather dark period of Israel's history. There are lots of them, but in this case, uh, we're well into the divided kingdom. You have the northern ten tribes of Israel uh, who followed Jeroboam. Jeroboam didn't want people going down to Jerusalem and giving a tenth of their stuff away and having uh, religious uh, duties and obligations to his political enemy, so he had the great idea that that never seems to work out well for Israel of having some golden calves built. And he says, look, we can just worship God through these. Well, it doesn't take long, and Israel is headlong, uh, head over heels, uh, seeking to outdo their pagan neighbors uh, in paganism. And by the time of Elijah, there were so few true believers in God that Elijah at one point says to God, Look, God, I am the only one left. Just let me die. Uh, I really just want to be done. And God says, No, there are 7,000 others. uh, And no, I'm not going to let you die. Uh, And uh, he keeps going for a while. Elijah was, on one hand, an amazing prophet. Living in this time, he was given... uh, the ability to do miracles, including raising the dead. Only Elisha uh, in the Old Testament does this aside from Elijah. There are no other uh, prophets in the Old Testament who do. Uh, He does many other miracles. And it would be easy to think that Elijah prays and it happens because he is an amazing prophet. And when an amazing prophet prays, God listens but if you know anything about Elijah, you also know that he was a pretty regular guy, that he spent a couple of years when there was no rain living in this little ravine with this little brook where he had water until the water dried up. And he was given bread and little bits of roadkill uh, from the ravens. Uh, now when you're younger, you think like he's getting these little cubes of Uh, uh, Chateaubriand, or something like that. (laughs) Probably wasn't the case. And then later, the the brook runs dry. He goes and he lives with a widow. And uh, through the miracle of God's providence, they don't run out of oil or flour. And they live on biscuits for a couple of years. Uh, It's not an exciting life. And James comes along here and says... Check out Elijah. He was a regular guy like us. Uh, the Greek word for like us or with a, li- a nature like ours, by the way, is the same word that Paul uses when he shows up and uh, he heals someone, and the people of Lystra are amazed and they say, Paul and Barnabas are gods. Uh, let's worship them. And Paul says, Look, we're guys. Just like you. We're we're just guys. James's point. Elijah was a guy. He was a regular old human. And he prayed and he believed, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. The first thing that I'll be looking at in detail is what I've titled the plain secret of prayer. In our Christian life, prayer is one of the most central aspects of what we do, what we can do. Uh, And yet we do it pretty badly, if we're honest. Uh, We either pray too little or not at all, or when we do pray, we often limit the scope of our prayer to, Dear God, I want this. I want it right now. Give it to me amen. Uh, now, we use better language, but uh, that that tends to be what a lot of our prayers are. And when James comes along, um, if you've been here at church, you've noticed perhaps that James is a little rough, and uh, uh, he's, he's gentle in other areas, but he doesn't, uh, he doesn't couch his language in uh, cushy, uh, beat-around-the-bush kind of ways. He comes right at us And in chapter 4, going back, he says, uh, chapter 4, 1 through 3, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So as we look at prayer, previously uh, in our series, previously in James, James has told his readers that A, they were not asking for things from God, and B, when they did ask, they were asking out of wrong motivation, out of selfish motivation, and uh, what they were praying for uh, was not in line with what God wanted for them. Now, in our passage today, uh, James comes along and and he makes some pretty bold claims about prayer. And there are some things that we have to be careful of. One is we don't want to water down what James says. Uh, a while back, I preached on a passage about prayer, uh, and uh, there too, uh, we talked about how as Reformed Christians, sometimes we want to back off and... We want to say, hey, we believe in the sovereignty of God. We believe God has our best in mind. So we're going to lower our expectations and just assume that God wants what's best for us. And that means we're not always going to get what we want. And really what that means is we're almost never going to get what we want. And uh, yeah, we should pray, but it's, you know, God's going to do what God's going to do. Uh, James is stronger than that. Now, he does say, if you ask with selfish motivation, uh, you're probably not going to receive. But he does say uh, that we should pray. Uh, In like manner, Jesus tells us very openly, very strongly in Matthew 7, 7 through 11, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Here, too, Jesus is bold in saying, look, God will hear your prayers and he will answer. Now, our problem, like James says, is very often we don't ask for a fish, we ask for a snake. Uh, Very often we don't ask for bread, we ask for a scorpion. And uh, when we ask for those things, like any good parent, God will not give us what is harmful to our soul uh, or to our life. But one of our great problems is that we pray letting our own desires and our own notions of what God should do for us guide how we pray. And think about that. We often pray telling God what God should do for us uh, as if we know better. Uh, And one of the things we do need to grow our faith in is understanding that God does what Want what's best for us, and that when we pray, He will not always give us what we ask for, but He will always give us something better. May not look that way at the time, uh, but it is something that's true. A few weeks ago, uh, Pastor Todd talked about aligning our desires to God's will. That's something that's not easy, Uh, it's something that comes through spending time in the Word and comes from self-reflection, examining our own hearts, seeing where our own hearts are selfish. And as we go deeper and deeper, we start peeling away more layers and saying, wow, uh, my desires really are more selfish than I thought, more self-centered, more centered on what's uh, apparently good for me than I thought. Now, another aspect of prayer, aside from the aspect of our desires, is we want there to be some kind of secret. Some secret that I can stand up and, and say, okay, guys, here it is. And I've got nothing for you, by the way. Uh, there's no secret. Uh, we want prayer to be quantifiable. We want us to be able to say, okay, guys, if we... Increase our faith 15%. God will bless you 25%. Doesn't work that way. Sometimes we think that if we uh, pray hard enough, God will be convinced of our view and come around to our side. If we only make our case well enough, God will say, oh, you know, now that you say it that way, I hadn't considered that. You're right. Uh, Doesn't work. God knows all things. God controls all things. God knows tomorrow we don't. We also have this feeling, we may not have it in our minds theologically, but in our hearts we have it all the time, that God will listen to us if I have done the right things, usually consisting of enough quiet times or enough hours in devotion this week, And if I've done those things, then God will hear and bless me. Doesn't work that way either. Uh, And the other side of that is that we often feel like if we haven't been spending enough time with the Lord in his word, praying, that God really won't listen to us, that God will say, you know what? Thursday afternoon, you had a few minutes and you took a nap instead of, instead of praying. So I'm not going to answer this prayer. It's not how God works, but it's often how we feel. And Satan will whisper in your ear that that's the case, and he will use that to uh, discourage you. But when we look at what Jesus says, Jesus actually says that if we increase our faith 2%, God will uh, bless us 1,000%. Uh, He doesn't put it in quite those words, but he says, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, go jump in the ocean, and it'll do it. Uh, He also says things to his disciples constantly, like you of little faith. Uh, One of the problems is we pray, but we don't believe. We pray asking for blessing, but we don't believe that God will bless us. Now, when we look at how we should pray, uh, or when we should pray, and how that relates to prayer in general, the plain secret of prayer is that we just need to pray and believe. Uh, James starts out this passage, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. In other words, if you're happy, pray. If things are hard, pray. Paul puts it differently and says that you should pray without ceasing. Uh, James is a little more specific, but covers uh, different aspects of life. Uh, But in all of this, what we're called to do is to believe. And it is almost appropriate to ramp up our expectations far more than we do, and to pray something like this, dear God, I want this, but I dare you to give me something better. Go ahead, do it. Amen. Uh, when we start praying like that, then we're getting along the right a- idea. We're when we uh, say to God, A, I expect that you're going to answer, and B. I fully understand that you may not give me what I want because it may not be good for me, but I expect that you are going to do something wonderful. Then we're praying with that, the right idea. Hebrews 4.16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We're to come boldly into God's throne room. And talk to God directly. What about the practice of prayer? James gives us a few examples of specific things uh, to pray for. Now, on one hand, he says, kind of in general, if you're suffering, pray. Uh, More specifically, he says in verse 14, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. One of the specific applications we have in verse 15, uh, or 14 and 15, uh, is that churches should be seeing, maybe not every day, but fairly regularly, elders praying over people, anointing them with oil. This is a plain command by James, uh, A lot of commentators want to try to do something else with it. And the good commentators say, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that other commentators will say. But what James is saying here is that elders should pray and pour oil on people when they do it. Uh, It's not symbolic. Uh, It's not a sacrament. Uh, It's nothing more special than doing what James tells us to do. Now, as we unpack this, uh, there are a couple things to say. First, like I said, it's not a sacrament. Uh, In the Catholic Church, they have unction or extreme unction, uh, which is seen as something that uh, gets rid of the effects of sinfulness. Uh, We're not going that far. James doesn't say that. Uh, But what he does say is we should do it. We can't get around that. Now, likewise, others have said that, hey, this is limited to the the apostolic age. Only apostles should be doing things like that, except that James doesn't say apostles. He doesn't say, let the apostles come. And when Peter and uh, Bartholomew pour oil on someone, they'll get better. It says elders, uh, regular church leaders, We can't get around the fact that James tells us to do it. And again, it should be a somewhat regular uh, occurrence in church life. Uh, It's something that we have done here before. Uh, It's been on our minds. Uh, Some of you have been on our minds uh, as people who who perhaps should be prayed over with oil. Uh, But let's unpack this a little bit more. Okay, so James wants us to do it. Isn't all prayer effective? And the answer is yes. Uh, We tend to think differently than than God does. We tend to think that God will listen to the more spiritual more than the less spiritual. Not always the case. Uh, We tend to think that God will listen to an educated theologian more than a three year old who believes. Not the case. Uh, God hears his children. God remembers our prayers far longer than we do, and the things that are prayed in our youth can have remarkable effect later. We may not see it that way, but God hears his people, and God does not uh, count some as more important than others. But we also can't get around that James does put a qualification here on at least some healing that we are to have elders pray and anoint with oil so that people will be healed. Uh, what this means is we should be doing it, and that there are apparently healings that will happen that wouldn't otherwise uh, that's pretty amazing uh, it I'm absolutely convinced that it has nothing to do with the the spiritualness of your elders, uh, we are regular people too. Regular people like Elijah. Regular people uh, like any other person, for that matter. Uh, and and yet, God has something special about having the church come together and having the leaders come together, and in humility pray for someone and ask for uh, ask for healing. Do we need oil? It would, easy, it would be easy to get carried away and start thinking, as many have done, that we need to order some sort of special oil, that if we get oil from the Holy Land or if we get consecrated oil, that it's going to be better. Uh, there's nothing in this text to suggest that. Uh, it's just oil. But when we look at oil uh, in the Old Testament, oil is a symbol of blessing. Think about Psalm 23, he anoints my head with oil. Uh, There's a place where uh, Psalm 136, I think, don't quote me on that. uh, How wonderful it is when brothers come together in unity. It's like oil dripping down Aaron's beard. Uh, Oil is a symbol of blessing, and I think that's what it is here. It is a symbol, but it's just oil, and it is to help us believe. It is, of course, faith, not oil. Uh, not the office of elder uh, that makes a prayer effective. And it's God who accomplishes, not our own faith for that matter. And yet, uh, God does tell us to do it. Now, there's an interesting thing that happens next in, in this verse that uh, it is difficult. It would be great if James just plainly said, okay, if elders did this, then people would get better, period. It's not what he says. Look at verse 15. And the prayer of faith, which just means a, a prayer made with faith, uh, will save the one who's sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Okay. Okay. what are we gonna do with this? How does the forgiveness of sins relate to healing received because of the prayer of elders? Uh, Again, it would be easy to make the jump into thinking that, okay, this is something like the Catholic uh, view of confession, that if you confess to a priest, then you will receive special uh, forgiveness. Uh, Again, I don't think that's the case. And this is a difficult one. Uh, and yet, James goes there. James is never afraid to go there, by the way. Uh, he goes right into it and says that if elders pray over people, uh, then God will raise them up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. What does this mean? If James is not suggesting something like us needing a priest. There are plenty of other passages that make clear that we don't. We are saved by grace alone through faith alone, and we need no other mediator before God than Jesus, who is God. That is made very clear. And yet, if we look uh, in the New Testament, there are times when uh, when healing and forgiveness go hand in hand. Uh, Interestingly, even here, verses 15 and 16 together give a picture of forgiveness of sins and confessing to each other. Um, And we'll get there in a moment. But uh, if you remember uh, Jesus healing the paralytic in Matthew 9, 2, this is what we read. And by the way, what had happened is some friends of a guy who was paralyzed lowered him down through the roof into the middle of Jesus' teaching with a bunch of people there. They couldn't get in, so they drop him down. And when Jesus, uh, sorry, uh, Matthew 9, 2, then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, faith, he said to the paralytic, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. And then he heals him. Uh, There are other times when uh, Jesus says things like, okay, you're you're healed, now don't sin anymore. Uh, So there's this interesting uh, relationship between Jesus' ministry of healing and his ministry of forgiveness. And uh, I don't promise to make all of that clear right now. Um, I think it is somewhat mysterious. But it's there. Now, another thing we need to make clear is that not all sickness is related to a particular sin. Uh, We can't assume that, okay, you're sick, out with it, what did you do? Uh, Read Job. Uh, Job was not sick because of sin. He was sick with boils, and his life was miserable because God said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? And seeing how righteous he is, and Satan says, I can make him curse you. And God says, no, you can't. Uh, And Satan couldn't. And God was glorified. In John 9, 1 through 2, the disciples asked, asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? Jesus says, neither. And you have to imagine that they were absolutely confused by that. And he says, "Look, it happens so that the, the power of God can be made manifest. Uh, Luke 13 also talks about uh, tragedies happening to people, and Jesus talks about a tower that fell in, in Siloam, and there were some who died and Jesus says, "Look, do you think they were more sinful than the rest of you? All of us are or all of you are sinful, I should say Jesus wasn't, but all of you are sinful, and if God gave us what or gave you what you deserved. Worse would happen to all of you. Uh, yet there are, uh, there's at least one passage that I know of that does link sickness and sin, uh, and that's 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30. This has to do with the Lord's Supper in the Church of Corinth, which had lots of problems. One of them was people uh, abusing the Lord's Supper, getting drunk, uh, off of communion wine, glutting themselves on communion bread, so much so that not everyone was able to take communion. And Paul said this in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight to 30, let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill. And some have died. So while it's not always the case that sickness becomes of si- uh, comes about because of sin, it does seem that at least there's some way in which uh, sin can bring about weakness and illness. Uh, I think we need to be very careful there and uh, bring all of the theology of the Bible to bear on that. But it's worth asking the question, and it may be that what's going on here, the, the talk of forgiveness of sins, is just a result of having time to think while you're home in bed and examine your heart and and confessing. Possibly to elders, possibly just to God, but it's possibly that that's all there is to it. Uh, it's possible that there's a little more, like I said, I don't pretend to Completely understand the connection, but it's there, uh, and so it is worth asking the question: Is there anything I need to confess? If you're sin- uh, no, if you're if you're sick, uh, if the answer is no, you can always ask God to you know, God show me if there's anything there. But again, looking at guys like Job, it's also very possible and sometimes right for you to say, "I'm not aware of any sin." that I've done, uh, I need healing. Now, James does not outright guarantee that everybody who's prayed for will get better. Uh, but he comes pretty close. And we, again, we don't want to to water down what James is saying. James does say, look, if if you're sick, have the elders pray for you so that the Lord will raise you up and you'll be healed. But the big danger here is to turn James's words again in, into a formula, again to desire, to desire the quantifiable, that if faith is greater than illness, then healing. But if faith is weaker or less than illness, no healing. Uh, physical healing is not a guarantee, but we should pray with faith, but we shouldn't think that it's up to us, that we need to somehow muster up enough faith to tip the scales. Instead, again, we're to pray expectantly, to pray uh, that God would do something wonderful, that God would heal us. We don't need to, um, to back off from asking for this. Now, this applies, of course, to many other things, too, when we pray. Uh, we're looking you know, at a spe- few specific examples, but when we pray, this also goes with other things that we deal with in life. There's a job you want. Again, we don't want to turn it into a formula, but we can pray expectantly. Dating. Marriage. Desiring children. Uh, Again, we want to uh, step away from trying to quantify this into a formula of if we have enough faith, then God will do it. If we don't, then God won't. And instead, pray with faith and pray that God will do what is best for us and what is amazing and good. We can be assured that God will keep his word and that he will bless us. Again, When we look at our text before us, what we see is that Elijah prayed and God answered. uh, And God did something amazing. We should expect that kind of power in our own midst. We should pray with faith. Now there's one other aspect of this passage I want to touch on uh, before I conclude. And that's this aspect of confessing sins to one another. And also of going after a brother who is wandering from, from truth. Why should we confess sins to one another? Again, we don't need a priest. Uh, we can confess directly to God. Uh, why do we need someone else? Uh, shouldn't we be able to just pray silently and know that God forgives us? And one of the answers is yes. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and purify you from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 1.9. Uh, that's a promise. But when it comes to life here on earth, uh, why confess to each other? Forgiveness is from God, but he has made it such that in confessing to each other we get healing, release from bondage, freedom and an understanding of what that freedom feels like. And without uh, going too much into it uh, for lack of time, Satan wants you to keep your sin hidden from everyone else. Now that seems a little anti-intuitive. Doesn't Satan want us to sin everywhere? Of course he does. But he doesn't want you to think that Your sin is like everybody else's sin and that your sin is something that Jesus can take care of. He wants you in a dark corner feeling ashamed, guilty, and stripped of power for Christian living. The answer to that is to bring your sin into the light of the gospel, to say to other brothers and sisters, look, I struggle with this. Pray with me. It doesn't make you more forgiven in the eyes of God, but it is immensely freeing, immensely healing, and there are sins that will be conquered through confessing to one another that perhaps wouldn't be otherwise, just like there are people who will be healed if they are prayed for and anointed by elders that perhaps wouldn't be otherwise. How do we conclude all of this? We go back to verse 13. If you're suffering, pray. If you're cheerful, sing praise. Pray and pray boldly. Try to pray according to God's will and ask God to help you do that because none of us will on our own. It is God who changes our desires and it is through our changing of desires that we will be able to align with what God wants, and we will be able to pray prayers that are more in tune with what God wants for us. Now, God will answer your prayer no matter what. Uh, God will do something. But if we say, "Dear God, may I have a scorpion," He's going to say, "No, uh, that's that's not a good thing for you to play with." Um, How about something else? Be expectant that God will answer. Be prepared for God to work, and be prepared for God to work in ways you don't expect. But do not let fear of disappointment or fear of a no answer stop you from praying. Secondly, if you are sick, seek the elders. Now, what James has in mind is not, you know, I've got the sniffles, but if there is something major especially if there's something puzzling. Come to the elders, and we will be happy to pray with you and uh, anoint you with oil. Uh, and if you go to a different church, you can ask that of your elders. And if they, uh, they look at you funny, just say, hey, look, it's in James. Uh, James said it. Uh, now, this goes for uh, other spiritual weakness, emotional struggles as well. As Nathaniel said to the children, uh, you can, you know, the children can talk to their parents. You guys can talk to each other, but we're here if you need us. If you want prayer, seek out Pastor Todd, Pastor Nathaniel, Bill, Matt, me, uh, one of the deacons, uh, Tim, or for the next couple of weeks, Scott. Uh, Confess your sins to one another. This is not easy. Uh, Confessing your sins is sometimes uh, as much fun as having a root canal. Um, And to be honest, I've never had one. I've just seen them. Uh, But I've had dental work, and I don't like it. Uh, And yet, when it's over, there's peace and joy and strength that wasn't there before. I want to conclude with this. Remember James' promise in James 4 6 to 8. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Brothers and sisters, in all things, we are called to be humble, to put ourselves humbly before God, expecting that he will answer expecting that he he will heal, confessing to God and to each other humbly, knowing that in a somewhat ironic backwards kind of way, putting our sins on the table means God will get rid of them, whereas holding on to them, keeping them quiet, means that they can fester. And Jesus has covered you, but if, if we don't bring our sins out into the open, they become a hindrance, and they keep us from living with the kind of joy and, uh, and power that we should. Let's pray that God.